0: The Dr. Taz Show, the podcast, Dr. Taz, Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness. We're on every episode of this show. I am determined to bring you guys back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is a guest that I am so excited about. She has a new book out. I've seen it all over Instagram. I can't wait to read it. I'm waiting for my copy. But her name is Dr. Tara Swart. Tara is a neuroscientist, a medical doctor, a leadership coach, and an award-winning, best-selling author. She works with leaders all over the world to help them achieve mental resilience and peak brain performance, improving their ability to manage stress, regulate emotions, I might need her, and retain information. She's a senior lecturer at MIT Sloan School of Management, where she runs the Neuroscience for Leadership and Applied Neuroscience programs, and is executive advisor to some of the world's most respected leaders in media and business. She specializes in sectors that face unusual levels of stress or change, and she's a columnist. Wow, you are busy. She's a columnist for FastCompany.com and Forbes. She's also done a TED Talk, but today she is on my show talking to us about her amazing book and her journey into the world of brain health. Welcome to the show, Tara.
1: Thank you so much. I was I was having two thoughts. One, I must get you a copy of the book immediately. Yes, uh, yeah, Definitely. And two, I was thinking, I shouldn't say this, but it was funny because you said, wow, you're busy. I was like, I feel tired just listening
0: to that discussion. <laughs> well, you are obviously incredibly accomplished and have done so much in your field. I would love to learn more just about how you landed in this line of work and, and what made you passionate about resilience and performance and brain health it sounds like you've worked with all kinds of people I know personally that this is such a need from what I see in the exam room right I mean so much of what we're dealing with today I feel like we have a mental health epidemic more so than we have any other disease epidemic because there's just so much pressure on everybody and then just at a personal level running a company having a lot of employees having my hands in so many different projects you know i am learning day by day year by year that i also have to be very resilient and have to learn as a leader to regulate myself so this is both personally fascinating for me for very many reasons and then very timely as i really think that this is where the energy and the shift needs to happen
1: so talk to us a little bit about your story so i think it will come across exactly how you want it to because Obviously, I speak about the work that I do with my clients, but I don't ask anyone to do anything that I haven't done or tried myself. And just like you, I need to be applying these things to myself all the time. So I think that really comes across. Yes. Um, so the fascination started really, uh, the first time I can remember is it just right at the beginning of my adult life at medical school, um, when we learned the theory of all the different um, subjects like biochemistry, pharmacology, anatomy, physiology, I found the neuro part of all of those subjects the most interesting. Mm. Um, so I then actually took some extra time at university, it's <laughs> like a mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of time at university, um, to do a PhD in neuroscience. So that was oh. over 25 years ago. So it was not, wasn't really a hot topic at the time and we didn't have sophisticated scanning techniques or anything, but it was still super interesting. Yeah. Um, and then once I went back to medical school, I didn't go down the road of becoming a neurologist. I decided to become a psychiatrist, which was much more about ah. how people think, how they feel, how your emotions change, depending on you know what's going on around you. So that's the kind of story of how it started. I was then a psychiatrist working in the National Health Service in the UK mm-hmm. for seven years. And then 12 years ago, I started up the consulting business that I have now, which is working, well, 12 years ago was around the time of the global financial crisis so it made sense as a former psychiatrist to work in financial services where you know I never thought that I would be dealing with people having heart attacks jumping off tall buildings um Mm. that's that's not why I made the change but it I felt like that's the work I had to do because I could contribute the most value there Mm -hmm. um since then it's definitely broadened to being about all sorts of different types of people but really we all have a brain we're all under immense amounts of pressure um you know specifically i resonate with the the travel the the leadership um qualities that you aren't taught at you know at university or at right. uh, yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i try to write about it and speak about it as much as i can because you know, the, the research about neuroplasticity and my models of brain agility, I just feel like everybody needs to know their stuff.
0: I think that's brilliant. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing. What, what are the biggest threats, challenges you're seeing as you talk to people, as you travel and speak? What motivated you to write the book? Like, what are you hoping will come across in this in this process?
1: I think that as we're more connected digitally, we're becoming less connected emotionally or socially, if you like. So there's that being constantly switched on, massive amounts of information overload, maybe in some ways, lonelier and more detached from, you know, our families and that social group that we really need that sense of belonging than ever before. So really being stretched in two Mm -hmm. different directions. Um, And then I will tell you something that I don't always speak about. But I looked around in my mid thirties and I just saw my beautiful, smart friends and so many other professional women who have just, you know, had one or two rock knocks in their personal life and just, just lost the motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, People who really are super smart and have like a lot to offer, just feeling so bruised that they're not being their full self. And, Mm -hmm. And I just thought, just really felt deep down there's something wrong with that and you know when I had a professional and personal um, sort of crisis in my mid-30s I used everything that I knew from psychiatry and neuroscience to get me through it and that's when I really thought I need to write a book so that all of those things that I knew that helped me and made me you know I feel I emerged better than even before that other people have the choice to use that knowledge as well because I was just lucky in that what I learned for my profession was something that was really helpful personally. And you know how I said neuroscience wasn't really like sexy topic 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's now everybody's interested in it now because we're so stretched, you know, and it's like, it's the brain that is going to get us out of this issue. But also given what you said earlier, we can, we've got prosthetic limbs, we can put pacemakers in our hearts, but the mental side of things is the one that we still need to proactively work on because you know, if you have a nervous breakdown or you burn out, you can't just replace your brain. Right. You know, I think there's so many people probably listening right now that need to hear this
0: message. I'm sure mm-hmm. I meet them every day in the exam room. They're walking the streets. They're all over. And that sense of being bruised, that sense of being knocked out or knocked mm-hmm. down, you know, I think, you know, is, is a part of life's journey. But some people get up and shake it off. And some people are just forever ruined. And they yes. can't change dialogue they can't get out of the situation they can't get out of the trap that their mind has created you know and so you talk a lot about resilience you talk Mm -hmm. a lot about retraining your brain Mm -hmm. which is a area that again just i'm fascinated with because it's connecting down to chemistry like Mm -hmm. you know from what you're talking about with training your brain and shifting all that when we get down to the chemistry of all of that we're also finding that that directly correlates to changing hormone levels to changing nutrient absorption to improve gut health to improve sleep to improve libido you know all these other things that impact who we are and make us human and i i think i posted something the other day on just how the mind is our most powerful organ right i mean i was in dc with my son recently and just just sort of awed by our founding fathers, how these like basically farmers were able to outsmart, you know, the British cavalry and all this other stuff. But but they used their minds. They didn't use force. They didn't use stuff. They didn't use resources. They used their minds. And we're getting so far away from that. Mm. And I'm concerned that we're going to see a degeneration of the mind and a weakening. Mm. And I'm honestly seeing it in education too with children. So mm. how do we wrangle all of this? How do we become more resilient mentally? understand how to retrain our brain and then understand how to strengthen our mind and our brain so that we don't have this massive degeneration that we're seeing today in diseases like alzheimer's and dementia and so many of the other neurological diseases that we're seeing and that was a mouthful so i'll let you take that wherever you
1: want <laughs> well, i think you have you have covered a lot but the the main thing i will say is that i'm literally feeling goosebumps and like you know massive resonance with what you're saying and i think That although it's something I speak about a lot, hearing someone like you who sees people in a very similar way to how I do say, reiterating the message. It's making me feel quite sad for humanity, to be honest, you know. Um, So I think and it reminded me of a story because I haven't been in clinical practice for for over 10 years now. But I had to do a neurological exam on a, a patient that was coming into drug rehab. It was a young guy. Um, Slim, but you know, he's a guy, young, quite muscular. And um, I got to that part where, you know, you put your arms out and I say, you know, try to resist me pushing your arms down. And his arms just like flailed down. And I was like, come on, you know, you're stronger than me. And he said, not mentally. And I thought, because people who, you know, either have been, you know, on drugs of abuse or have a mental illness are a little bit more disinhibited and they say things that like we wouldn't normally say. I I will never forget that. That was about 15 years ago. And I remember thinking we can see physical strength and we can exert physical power. And that's obvious. But he obviously felt something that I, you know, I wasn't being assertive. I was trying to be very kind and caring, actually. So I think it's something that if you understand about neuroplasticity, which is how much you can change your brain and you have the desire to do the hard work to go through that change. And you appreciate that agility of thinking gives you a bigger whole brain to work with. Then you're on the start of a journey. Let me, you know, let me just use some analogies to make that like real for people. So brain agility is basically about using six different ways of thinking, mastering your emotions, knowing yourself, which is the brain body connection that you're so, you know, um, expert on mm-hmm. the trust your gut which is intuition but i'd like to speak specifically about gut the gut microbiome and probiotics and mental health um, make good decisions which is your logic you know we all obviously we overuse our logic really and underuse the other ones but we have yeah. to use all of them stay motivated and resilient to reach your goals that's one of them and then um, a new version of creativity which is um, use your brain power to create the real world outcomes that you desire Mm. And so in that one, um, you know, I've spent years of actual, you know, outwardly obvious work to move myself along that spectrum from the usual default to negative thinking in the voice in my head that tells me I can't do stuff to immediately replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts to cultivating gratitude, abundant thinking Um, You know operating as if the world is a safe place where there's room for everyone to succeed and that if somebody else does well It doesn't mean that that's a negative for me Um, but that takes work because the natural gearing of the brain is to loss aversion which means that we're twice as, as switched on to sensing a particular, you know a loss or a bad thing for us as we are to the equivalent good thing or even a smaller, you know loss outweighs what we see as good So there's that natural gearing of the brain that certainly helped us to survive as a species, but it's really holding us back now. And every time you think I can't do something or you have this recurring anxiety in your head, you need to be overwriting that neural pathway that you've built up in your brain. But even if it's a false phrase that you have to use at first, that's the journey to eventually saying maybe i can do something about this
0: mm-hmm. um you
1: know i know that i have certain capabilities that even if this fails i'll be okay and then you know on to hopefully uh, the superpower of, of abundant thinking um and then the you know the the brain body connection or the mind over matter is still massively underrated and when i was writing the book i, I included some research that shows if you take a good quality probiotic for one month it reduces negative thinking. Mm. The research has even gone on to say that it can reduce um, repetitive anxious thoughts. It could even help people on antidepressant medication to reduce their dose or stop their medication altogether. Since I've written the book, I've read more about the, not just the connection between our gut neurons and that intuitive emotional part of the brain, but also the, the third element to that, which is about the gut bacteria itself and how it separately signals through chemical signaling cytokine transmission to the gut neurons and to the brain Hmm. so when I was writing the book I felt like I should put the chapter on gut health and the chapter on intuition as separate and it felt quite radical to put them together but I'm so glad I did because you know what what I'm saying now is that if you're physical body particularly your gut is not in good healthy condition then you're compromising your resilience your access to your intuition I know I mean this is where it starts to become like sci-fi scary but you know if you think about just what you've known for years and what you do like in clinical practice you will like that will make sense to you oh totally Um, I've had patients come back some of whom were
0: already big intuitives, you know, very energy sensitive folks. And like, after working with them, they would come back there like, I don't know what you did to me, but like, I'm getting too many visions. I'm getting too many thoughts. I'm getting too many ideas. Like I can't control it. It's just like, I'm a vibrating. And this, these were their words. I'm vibrating at a different level than where I was before, you know? Yeah, and that yeah, also pulled yeah. me into like, this stuff is all connected, you yeah. know, it's not like, let me take care of my gut health. Cause I have a gut issue. No. It's like, let me take care of my gut health because I need to be my most empowered, highest version of myself, you know, so that's fascinating that you're seeing that in research as well. It's absolutely fascinating.
1: It's so, it's so fascinating. And I think, you know, if you're already on that intuitive path, you know, and I had to do a lot of journaling to see that every single time I went with logic instead of intuition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had to see it in my own own handwriting yeah. over and over again till I was like, okay, I really need to listen to, you know, when, when I feel it deep down, that this is a bad situation to be in or a toxic relationship to right. be in. I need to act on that, not trying to mm-hmm. rationalize it. What comes so when you when you sort of think, you know, I'm, I'm vibrating on a different level. This is crazy. I'm getting like too, too much, you know, too much intuitive input now. That's when the emotional mastery piece comes in. So it's all about balance. And the other analogy I like to use is if I asked you to build a, a low brick wall outside your house. Tell me how long or think about how long that would take you to do by yourself and how much effort and time it would take and now imagine four friends came to help you how long it would take how much effort it would take and so and that's the six ways of thinking because we've built up pathways through our childhood and in our life you know whether it's through societal expectation or education or you know the values that we brought up with um, to become very good at certain things and prefer that as a pathway because it's less energy consuming for our brain so you know you're you're highly trained so i would suspect that you have a very well developed logical pathway but you sound like you're really intuitive too
0: but i've shut it down so i'm having to work on again yeah right yeah
1: exactly Mm -hmm. Um, but interestingly i because i feel like that you're naturally intuitive it's like it's like you were brought up bilingual, but then you stopped speaking one of the languages. So it's going to be easier for you to get back into speaking that language. But I want you to also start using languages that you never knew before. You know, bring in the creativity, the empathy, right. the, the motivational side of things. Um, and, and the analogy of how this works in the brain, whatever it is that you're working on is exactly the same as learning a language or learning a mm. musical instrument. Fascinating. And so are there exercises
0: somebody needs to do? or there practical like day-to-day things to do to get there? Like again, just talking personal journey, not patient journey, Mm -hmm. but I've noticed that once you do things repetitively, then they come Mm -hmm. a little bit more naturally. Like Mm -hmm. the negative thoughts start to go away. The fear-based thoughts start to go away. Mm -hmm. You learn to check in with the intuition a little bit more often, or at least feel it more often. What are, what are practical things somebody could do to really, you know, Hopefully they've understood the concept and they've understood sort of these six different ways or six different languages, as you're saying, yeah. of creating the resilient brain or the, the powered brain. What are other what are some practical tips you could give them?
1: Um, I have so much to say on this because, you know, I believe that it all has to be done in practice. It can't just be talked about. Or right. About. Um, so I have a, a four step program in the book, which is the last four chapters of the book. And the first one is, so so basically it works as a process for for creating sustainable behavior change. So new desired behaviors that last Mm -hmm. without you, you know, feeling like you're doing something that's not natural. So the first step is called focused attention, and it's about raising from non-conscious to conscious what it is that could be holding you back from being your best self. Mm -hmm. The second step in my book is about creating what I call an action board, but it's formerly known as a vision board, but it's just that you have to do more to make it come true than Mm -hmm. just creating it and waiting for magic to happen. Um, The third step is about um, deliberate practice. So just like you said, repeating something over and over again Mm -hmm. until it becomes natural. Um, And then the fourth step is about accountability. So, you know, you and I could talk about lots of things today and say, yes, I know I need to get back to my intuition. I know that I need to, you know, take a probiotic again, but Unless we say, okay, you know, I'll give you a call in a month to see that if you've done it, that's going to make you much more likely to do it because you know, I'm going to check up on you. You don't necessarily have to have a friend or a partner that you do that with. You can use technology to hold yourself accountable. But having said those four steps, what I've threaded throughout the entire book is journaling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I found for myself that it was the best way to reconnect to my intuition but it also can be really practical things like if you you know write down some things that you commit to doing or changing in the next year and then you go back and read it in a year and you haven't done most of them then you kind of you know it really raises your your awareness of what you haven't haven't done. Mm -hmm. Um, So and throughout the book I've used exercises that talk about what I call ghosts from your past that are like, you know, behavior patterns that you're not even aware of cause they've been there for so long. I talk a lot of, about, um, reframing ways of thinking towards more abundant thinking. Mm-hmm. And then there are lots of guided visualizations and meditations that really boost you, boost your self-esteem, boost your body confidence, boost your, you know, willingness to take risks and try something new. Um, And, but like I said, it really, it really does center around this vision board where you actually create a collage of how you want your life to look. Um, and it's meant to be like for the next year or so. Mm. So it's a real, a real visual of whether you've achieved it or not as well. So that you've written things down, you've done this vision board, you may have done some visualization. Um, I talk about the fundamentals, the, the sleep, the diet, hydration, exercise, um, so you've got yourself into the best physical condition to do all the mental, emotional, right. and spiritual work. So yeah, there's a lot there. You asked a big yeah. question, so yeah yeah, that's I think that's a great start. If you so journaling, it
0: sounds like is what you think is maybe a good starting point for somebody. Um, obviously, the book has a lot of resources, but maybe journaling is the beginning of starting to tap in. having that action board is something too that, and not, i love that it's not a vision board it's an action board so that you actually are accountable to to making those changes or making these things happen that are uh in your thought world um anything else that you would say is a number three would it be focusing on your health next and sleep or where would you go as number three
1: yeah i mean i think the order that you do it in is actually uh, those three are the top three so i think Having your brain and body in peak physical condition. Okay. You know, just, I hate to say it, but not everybody is sleeping eight hours a night, and you know, eating nutrient dense food that considers their brain before their body, even though the brain is like four pounds, but it uses up twenty to thirty percent of what we eat. Right. Um, I, you know, I find myself way too often saying to people you'd never drive your car without filling up the tank and checking the oil in the water, but you would easily go to work without having drunk any water and just grabbed a coffee on the way mm-hmm. and skipped breakfast, you know, so that kind of thing. Um, so glucose and oxygen are the main resources for our brain. So I really focus on, um, I mean, sleep is my number one, but, but you know, a, a nutrient dense diet and um, being mobile. So not even like necessarily doing massive amounts of formal exercise, but not being sedentary and being mobile and and doing deep breathing because when we're stressed we we just do shallow breathing wow. Mm. wow that is uh such great information i hope you guys are enjoying this as much as i am
0: and getting some real practical tools to create a resilient brain i know so many of you have shared your stories with me over the years and sometimes are stories of heartbreak and, and defeat but what we want of both i think stress now is that we can pick back up, we can move forward. You can manifest the things that you want and the dreams that you have. That is the gift of the brain to create the thought that then helps to see things come into, uh, into realization. Talk to us though, there's a lot of talk right now about manifestation and you'll hear it in the spiritual world and you'll hear it in the neuroscience world. And then you know we talk about it from an empowerment angle. You know, How does this neuroscience stuff, creating a resilient brain, connect to the concept of manifestation
1: Mm -hmm. so i don't know if i agree with you that you hear about it in the neuroscience world i think think you definitely hear about it in the spiritual world Um,
0: world, yeah
1: yeah so um you know i've really for the people who need the science part of it to feel compelled to actually act on it i've broken it right down to the basic science and said that you know i'm just going to reiterate a couple of things if you are you know Mastering your emotions, staying motivated, connecting to your body and your intuition. um, Then you're actually leveraging more of the power of your brain to be, to have more agency over what happens in your life rather than feel like you're a victim of life and it's happening Mm. to you. So that's, that's why brain agility connects to manifestation. The vision board or visualization It primes your brain with visual imagery or metaphor to notice and grasp opportunities that might otherwise have passed you by. Because we're bombarded with so much information all the time, the brain has a natural filtering process called selective filtering. And the second part of that is selective attention, which is that we pay attention to things that are obviously related to our survival in the short term. And then there's a third part to that called value tagging is where the brain tags in order of importance the things that it's selected for you to pay your attention to. Now, if you're trying to hold down the day job, if you're trying to put food on the table, if you're trying to have any time for self-care, as well as looking after your family, you are not really sitting around thinking, what do I want my life to look like in five years? What would my ideal perfect life be like if I had, you know, all the resources in the world? So creating this simple board, which, you know, it doesn't take that long. It does take prioritizing yourself for a weekend. But if you create that, you keep it by your bed, you look at it at least twice a day. We know that there's a more powerful priming effect on your subconscious in that state where you go from wakefulness to sleep, falling asleep. Um, I remind people about it by saying, did you ever play Tetris when you were a kid? hmm Do you remember that if you played it late at night, and then when you closed your eyes, you could see the little bricks falling down behind your closed eyelids? Um, That's a psychological effect called the psychological phenomenon called the Tetris effect. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating this board, looking at it last thing at night, um, just brings to the front of mind the things that you really aspire for that maybe you can't attend to on a day-to-day basis, and and that's basically manifestation. That's why I call it an action board because Bringing into your life the things that you really want, either through abundant thinking or a feeling that you have agency to bring those things into your life. It's not just random what happens to you. That's what manifestation is. And it's very much backed up by the science, even though, yeah. This is amazing. I mean, (laughs) think
0: about the power that we have within our brains, within our fingertips to really direct our life course. I think that's brilliant. And I do think so many of us, uh, given to the opposites of what you're talking about mm-hmm. playing victim, feeling helpless, you know, feeling stuck in logic, not mm-hmm. connecting the heart and the mind, not mm-hmm. being able to move forward with your intuition. Uh, a lot of that gets blocked. And it gets blocked because of the way we've evolved as a species. And it gets blocked because of experiences. And I think there's mm-hmm. even possibly not proven in science, but possibly a transgenerational piece to it mm-hmm. that we bring in the stories of our ancestors and the blocks that they may or may not have had, you know, so it does take a lot of work to undo this, to rewire it, to reprogram it. We're like a computer and it can be rebooted, which I think ultimately is an amazing message of hope, you know, more than anything else. Um, I've taken a ton of your time because I love this topic. I apologize. Is there anything else you want to leave uh, anyone listening or watching
1: today with before we let you go? Um, I actually wanted to pick up on something that you just mentioned yeah. about the transgenerational stuff. So, the very exciting, growing field of epigenetics, you know, has shown us that not just the children, but the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors have altered stress responses. Wow! And it, you know, the obvious thing to think would be if your grandparents were traumatised, that you know, somehow that switches on and off certain genes and it makes you more anxious or stressed. But sometimes it makes you more resilient. Mm. And so what that tells us about, um, you know, gene expression. So of course we have the genes that we've you know, carried from our parents and before, but the way that these genes get expressed is very much dependent on our lifestyle choices and behaviors. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So even if your grandparents were, you know, terribly traumatized and there's nothing you can do about that and they're not even here anymore. The effect that that's had to switch on and or off certain genes that you're expressing you can still do things to change that or reverse that. That is incredible. It's more than mind blowing. It's the body blowing part of it, you know? So it
0: really is. I mean, again, the message is hope, right? The message Mm. is we have the power. We are in control. You know, Mm. the Ted talk that I did was very much on how, you know, we as women, you know, hand down so much information over the generations to Mm -hmm. our children because so much of it is in mitochondrial DNA and that's where Mm -hmm. emotions live and that's where Mm -hmm. thought lives. And so all this pattern of if we were a victim, if we were abused, if we had, if we were disenfranchised, that's still in our DNA and it travels all the way through the lines, but we have the power to change it, which is what's so beautiful and amazing. And then the power to block the ability from passing it down again. So I think ultimately, Uh, The message is to really own your brain, you know, and own the connection between the heart and the mind and take responsibility for that just as much as you would take responsibility for your weight or for your blood test or for joint pain or things like that. I think it's just something that we all need to be very conscious of.
1: You've put it absolutely beautifully. I can't add anything to that. Oh, my goodness. Ah, well,
0: this is such a treat. Guys, the book is The Source, which is now available everywhere. Is that correct? Yeah. On Amazon and anywhere you can find books. I advise you to check it out. I'm waiting on my copy as well. I've read a little bit online, and I'm just it's just something that is so needed right now in this time, in this place, with what so many of you and your children are dealing with today. So create that resilient brain, spread the message through your family. You will make a difference and find not only your most empowered self, but impact the world and the community in a way that is lasting and always positive. So thank you, Dr. Tara, for joining us today. We appreciate it so much. If anybody in the audience wants to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: First of all, thank you so much, Dr. Taz. Um, so as, as, you, as you are, and as you know, I'm very active on social media. So uh, Dr. Tara Swart on Instagram, Tara Swart on Twitter, and my website is taraswart.com. Um, and there's lots of information about the book on, on all of those channels.
0: Fantastic, well, we so appreciate this. I look forward to meeting you at some point. And for everyone else, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where on every episode, we're determined to make you superpowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Remember that we're on Spotify now as well, so you can listen if you're driving or on the tube, anywhere you go. So uh, check it out, rate and review it, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much.